Hello and welcome to our in-house recruitment podcast. My name is Natasha Priya-Cannon from in-house recruitment and this podcast episode is brought to you by CW Jobs, the home for tech jobs. They match employers from all industries with the most relevant tech talent through their innovative product technology and unique candidate audience. Give them a visit today on cwjobs.co.uk. Today's episode, we are joined by Steve Ward from Universum and Dominic Harvey from CW Jobs. And we're going to be talking on the state of the tech talent landscape and the impact recent events have had. Most specifically, we'll be looking closely at some of the results and insights from the recent CW Jobs Confidence in Tech survey. And before we get started, it is probably worth you guys introducing yourselves and doing a uh, doing yourselves justice. So um, perhaps, Dom, uh, you can get us started and um, introducing yourself and a quick introduction of who CW Jobs are. Of course. Um, I'm Dom Harvey. I'm the sales director of CW Jobs. Uh, and CW Jobs has been supplying uh, tech candidates to UK businesses for the last 21 years. Excellent. And Steve? Hi everyone, I'm Steve Ward, I, um, I work for Universum, I'm the UK and Ireland director. Um, we have been operating for 30 years doing student research, professional research into brand perception, the needs of people and what they're looking for in their careers, etc. Uh, and that leads to us supporting organisations with employer brands, EVP and marketing communications off the back of that knowledge of what external markets and people think of themselves. So uh, we operate globally in over 20 countries in the world and um, yeah, um, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem at all, no problem. So yeah, thank you very much guys for, for joining us. I'm looking forward to having a little bit of uh, conversation around some of the uh, the items that you uh, you guys are doing. So um, Don, perhaps um, we can get started with um, the annual confidence index survey that you guys run within the tech market. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit around some of the survey results and um, and what those uh, results show. So perhaps you could get us started with actually just giving us a bit of an overview as to what the survey is um, and why it is that you run it. Of course, um, we have between 200,000 300,000 unit users uh, every month and we leverage that throughout the many years that we've been going. But we wanted to do something at the same time every year, really. I suppose prompted by Brexit and to, to looking into the future over the next three, four years and mapping the real impact of it. Um, additionally, there was IR35, which, is, uh, which has been going in the background in the, particularly the IT and, and contracting uh, industry. Um, and then this year, at the time we did it, it was slap bang in the middle of uh, the, the COVID crisis. Um, but essentially we want to get, take the, the, the temperature of the, the audience and the IT workforce uh, and help employers make the, the right decisions to attract and, and retain um, this diverse pool of talent, uh, as well as increase the productivity of their current workforce. Um, we started last year, got some great insights, and we've, uh, we've, we're going to keep doing it every single year, approximately the April kind of time. And hopefully not every year there's going to be this kind of global crisis that's running uh, <laughs> yeah. at the same time maybe, as you do. Maybe it. not. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, just give us a little bit of an overview as to who the respondents are, what the kind of breakup um, of those guys is. Yeah, of course. It was uh, conducted by Census-wide in the UK. Uh, 503 IT decision makers responded and just over 1,000 IT workers. And it was done in the, between 
two weeks in the middle of April, so between the 9th and 21st of April. Um, so that was obviously slap bang in the middle of um, lockdown and uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, what were the results really? What's the lay of the land? How, were there any sort of significant themes that came out? And do you think any of those were impacted by um, COVID-19? Undoubtedly, yes, uh, they were impacted. But I've got to say one of the most surprising things was that the overall, overall level of confidence remains fairly high. 81% of UK IT professionals said that they were feeling quite positive about the industry going forward. Now that's down from last year, which was 89%, but it, there's still a lot of confidence in the skills that we have in, in the UK and the kind of technology we're, we're producing. Um, so if you look at the private sector, it has dipped slightly, but interestingly, we see a, a drop in of, of 10% uh, of people being attracted from the public sector into the private sector. And I think that that's because the public sector had ridden the storm of IR35, which was still kind of in the middle of last year. Um, and there was the, the, the spectre of IR35 coming into, uh, into this year. But what actually happened was when the, the COVID crisis hit, um, literally uh, two days before um, the, the IR35 regulation was supposed to land they withdrew it so contract they, they recognized how important contractors were to the private sector so it's, it's very interesting that although there was a real push to remove IR30 well to implement IR35 and remove contractors they pulled it the moment that, that uh, the economy looked as though it might be very very shaky. Overall um, what, what were the findings of the survey is there a general theme or um, feel of the market at the moment and obviously with uh, COVID-19 um, being sort of slapped bang in the middle of when you conducted the survey do you think that had an impact on the results? Yeah I mean coronavirus undoubtedly had some impact on, on people's confidence um, however the, the general level of confidence still remains very high 81% uh, of UK IT professionals are confident in the state of the UK's tech industry uh, this is down last year from 89%, but it's still, 81% is still very, very high. And when we look at what drives it, it's, it's really the skill base that we have within this country and the kind of technology and the products we're producing uh, really, really boosts that figure. Uh, yes, it's, it's dipped slightly in the, in the private sector. And actually, um, there's a drop of 10% from the public sector wanting to move into the private sector. But uh, overall, it's, it's strong. Um, another piece of information uh, was that we saw uh, salary expectations in the short term, uh, four in 10 people not expecting uh, a huge boost in their salaries over the next year. But actually, if you look forward, 48% uh, think that in the next five years, their, their salaries will, will go up quite nicely. Um, so I think that's an indication of the, the realism of the, the people that have answered this in that, yes, this is going to be a tough year to ride out, but things on the whole are good going forward. That's, it's quite reassuring to hear that um, from, from my side and I'm sure from your guys' side as well. It's, um, there is still that confidence in the market and, and what we're looking to do, uh, which, is, which is brilliant. Um, in terms of the, the job market specifically um, for the respondents, how confident are they in, in that sector? Um, and is that the same on the employer side as well? Yeah, 
So COVID-19 replaced Brexit at the top of concerns uh, in the industry. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the moment on how the domestic and international markets are going to recover from this, this crisis uh, and how the impact of, of this pandemic will, will hit us and what, what will it mean for the, the tech industry specifically. Uh, I, I think that overall, though, yes, everybody is going to take a hit on this, but I think that the tech market in particular is well-placed to bounce back strongly um, in, in the long term. And, and I'm talking probably three to five years here. Uh, so that's certainly borne out within the, in, in, in the survey's results. No, that's, that's good, to, good to know. Um, and Steve, what about um, yourself and obviously uh, sort of conducting a lot of research and everything else? What, what are you seeing in the market from sort of candidates and employers' um, side um, on, on the job market? Yeah, and, and I think tech is an industry um, that seems to be doing reasonably well through this. I think, as Dom has just alluded to, really, uh, the conversations we're having with customers are very much around, uh, because so much of it is around branding and employer brand, they're wanting to know um, how they stay maintained how they maintain their potency in the marketplace, how do they uh, stay ahead of the curve through it as well. So, so I think what we're seeing is that the, the IT market is strong. It's the IT market that is kind of seeing us through a lot of this as well. I think we've all turned into digital customers now through this period, much more than we were before. And so we've got a real uh, dependency on our IT professionals. They're the ones who are leading it forth. So what it, I think... Uh, so I think it's intriguing at the moment. I think people are aware that there's more technology that's going to be used in the way we work. Um, we've sort of gone through the future of work a little bit fast just recently. Um, and therefore, probably that's going to impact the demand on tech talent even more so, um, if it can possibly be even more demanding. But it really, really well will be. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's really interesting. I think people are aware of the... The continuing challenge to tech talent, I would say that more than 75% of the people we talk to are saying they still need to stay engaged with tech talent and understand how they're trapping better. So, it's, yeah, it's going to get more competitive, I believe, through this period. So it's, um, yeah, it's going, to be, uh, going to be interesting. I mean, it was already a very competitive market in any case, wasn't it? So um, obviously, as, as brand experts that you are and all the brand research that you guys do, um, what are you seeing in that employer branding side of things at the moment? Are, are people reducing their employer brand? Are they realising that actually now is the time to action, uh, perhaps more engagement with candidates? What's, what's the kind of general feel in, in that area? It, on the whole, yes. Um, but it's a different kind of employer brand to what we have experienced a year ago, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think the tone of employer brands or is much more about supporting colleagues right now. And I think that's the, the biggest message we see from organizations is how do we do um, employee-centric employer brand? How do we look after our people? How do we engage with our people? How do we empower our people to still perform in this time in a weird sort of working scenario? Um, how do we perform? How do we look after employees through difficult periods with furlough and, and, and obviously um, So it's a very different kind of brand of employer brand, if you like, a little bit this year. But what we noticed from our own surveys that we've done through this is there are certain industries that feel that need to be super strong um, and this because of the, I guess, slightly more competitive landscape that exists out there right now, you know, so, so there's a lot of empowering of employees to be the best they can be, and that comes out in employer brands. Um, but there's the others that look much more around how do we care through a difficult time where it's less about promoting themselves as an employer of choice, but more in uh, how they 
care for their employees. And that's how a lot of organizations want to be perceived. We found through this period, they want to be perceived um, as caring and human with their uh, employees through this period. So yeah, it's a different brand, slightly different style of, of approach, I would say. Okay, that's interesting. It's, there's a lot of talk about it at the moment as well, so it's uh, quite interesting yeah. to see see the yeah. different sides. So, um, as both of you um, mentioned and have alluded to, uh, the, the tech talent job market is a tough one for employers. It's um, there's not enough talent around. Um, it's it's hard to find. There's a lot of competition. So, for employers um, that and looking to get back to normal um, and trying to start engaging and, and working with that tech talent now. Don, perhaps, do you have any, um, any tips on what they can start doing from now? Well, I think now's the ideal time to really be reshaping uh, the, the way you look for uh, tech talent. Uh, and, and some of the advice I'd give is, is promote a career in tech, maybe to local schools and colleges uh, and, and commit to training people and, and using that um, apprenticeship side of things because you can actually shape the, the diversity approach, the inclusion, diversity and inclusion by who you allow into that apprenticeship scheme. Accept that your skilled people will move on um, but hopefully come back but, but certainly have the ambition to do that if you're of a certain size and, and capable of doing it. Um, re-examine your current hiring strategy. Uh, where are you putting your job ads? How are you putting them out there? Recent research with our candidates shows that, that salary, location, required skills, description of tasks is also very important. Are you telling people what they are going to be doing? or Are you shaping it as a challenge that needs to be overcome with their input? Uh, really good description of the work content, maybe inclusion of uh, videos of the working environment, uh, the requirements and the objectives. These are the most important pieces of information that, that, that tech candidates want because if you're not telling candidates what you're doing, another company is, and that will give them a head start. Um, some, some other things, look at upskilling your, your own employees. Uh, you may have people that know your company inside out and you know, tr transitioning them over to a junior business analyst or something like that may give you a head start. Uh, in, in projects because they, they intrinsically understand the finance department or the sales teams. Um, really be at the forefront of trying to encourage innovation within the workplace. Um, companies that are standing still are, are going very much backwards at the moment. And also be part of promoting the UK's tech sector. If, if you can and you, and you have a real uh, techie product, be at the forefront of, of shouting about it. And the fact it is a UK product and that you're a good place to, to, to come and work uh, because you will get a trickle through of, of candidates from that. But equally, you'll get people that are proud to work with yourself and, and maybe you can retain them a little bit longer. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not just about attracting that tech, tech talent, is it? It's, it's keeping them and the retention. Well, not, not when you've gone and, and you've spent the money to, to get them through the door. It's madness to, to let them go without, without at least a bit of a... A scuffle to keep, to keep them and you know try and attract them and, and keep them uh, motivated within that workforce yeah absolutely absolutely and um, Steve did you have any sort of additional um, sort of thoughts on, on yeah I think Don makes some really good points uh, definitely one about because I think one of the trends we will see coming out of this is the is possibly in certain elements the unwillingness to move um, or the want for security I think one of the things that comes out of CWs 
um, surveys of the need for kind of security and assurance and and because people don't want to be uncertain right now they want to be sure of what they so I think the way in which we look after our people in regard to listening to them what do they need how can we retain employees how can we skill employees and empower the teams we have is a great start externally it's difficult right you know that we should you know tech talent is a zone that um, that doesn't stop being an important area to, to do marketing to, to do attraction, talent pipelining and the like to, because it'll always be relevant, it will always be challenging. If we switch off the tap, then we start, we, we immediately lose ground a little bit. So it's, it's a bit of a market, a constant marketing exercise attracting tech talent. It's got a real, um, and I think there's, what I would certainly advise companies with the element of tech talent is, is being, be an authority, be a source of sort of inspiration and trust effectively. I think, you know, I think what we tend to do is we talk about bells and whistles quite a lot. And I don't think this is going to be a big bells and whistles period um, over this next kind of year or two. I think it's been much more about how do we talk about being a strong employer? How do we understand our people? How do we respect and support our people? It's something we're learning right now more than ever. And I think we need to continue some of those skills as organizations we've learned over this last kind of two or three months and make them part of what we have got to say to our audiences out externally. And very much also listen to what they are looking for as well the trends right now we know it from year-on-year -year studies that we do and you talk to tech talent not just tech talent but across the marketplaces we're going into a period now where the student generation is now gen z it's not gen y anymore um and they want a completely different thing to gen y you know you can't you can't say the what did millennials want or what the gen we now need to look at what the gen z want we need to be prepared and ready for that next generation and understanding that the things they need are not what the last generation they're not interested in the, the the bells and whistles and the facades they're interested in security they're interested in earnings and they're interested in being respected uh, for what they do and we need to therefore think about our pitch and our brand in relation to these people so there's a number of things to consider there really but a lot of it comes from assurance and showing trust and security right now I think if we can demonstrate that we are an employer of choice through that methodology then we may well um, see some magnetism towards that kind of um, that approach. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for employers, that's been a real crash course, isn't it? In, in real, that showing that true care and sensitivity. It's. Um, I mean, if you if you haven't done it very well so far, I mean, you you're going to be struggling. Let's be honest. So, um, okay, great. And then obviously talking about sort of tech market, the current pandemic has seen a an incredibly sudden amplified dependency on technology and that's through the remote the enforced remote and flexible working and it's interesting and it will be interesting to see how that then continues on so um do you think uh, that this this will impact the skills gap and do you think that skills gap is going to increase moving forward um. I certainly think it will. It has to, just mathematically, the amount of people, the amount of investment that's going to have to go into, into tech um, means that there's not going to be enough people in a, in a market where there's already not enough people. So it's simply going to amplify that. Uh, six in ten of the respondents to the survey believe there will be a change in, in the way, the intrinsic way we, we work in the future because of this, uh, this crisis. Uh, and that will lead to companies reassessing their remote working policies. We've already seen that happening with Twitter. 
um, saying you, you're working from home permanently and indefinitely. Uh, I'm sure that other companies will follow. But the really intriguing thing is when you look at the pre-COVID-19 uh, answers, 43% of IT decision makers agreed they needed all of their employees to be in the office every single day for the company to be a success. Now, that's on an absolute crash course with the 60% that say um, there's going to be a, a total upheaval in how we work together. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how this pans out. And I think it's going to happen a lot quicker than it, than it is still going through on the high street, for example. Um, but it's, it's the same story of bricks and mortar. Can you have both? Do you need both? What's the mix if, if you have a mix? So that's, that's going to be a fascinating, um, a fascinating um, flow through of events that we're all going to be spectating on and is going to have a direct impact on our working lives. And do you think that's going to be, um, will we be able to see the effects of that short term or long term? Like, I mean, right now, obviously, Twitter's made that decision. Um, so that's immediately effective. But do you think actually a majority of companies might take a little bit of time to get this underway? Or do you think in the next 12 months, actually, a lot of companies aren't going to be based in London because they don't want the commute? We were talking about it earlier, weren't we? Um, you know, Short-term or long-term effects, I think, is probably the question. Steve, I'll, I'll take this. Uh, yeah, do you want, oh, yeah, Jake, go on then, Dom. Yes. Um, just very quickly, going back to what I was just saying, I think short-term, you will see um, the majority of, of uh, office staff working from home. And by short-term, I mean anything from three to 12 months. I think medium-term, you'll see that, that, uh, that change play itself out. And I think long-term, you will see... Uh, a, a sea change in um, how people treat the office. The fact that you're trusted to work uh, two, three days at home, which I think even a year ago for some companies was unthinkable. Um, but I think long term, say two to two, two years and onwards, um, that will be very much the norm. And quite frankly, if you don't trust someone work from home that's dealing with maybe multi-million pound accounts, it's probably, they're probably not the right person to have in, on board anyway. Um, or you've got an issue with trusting your, your staff and maybe you're in the wrong position. And <laughs> um, yeah, Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's, um, I mean, I've got I'm not a, a doom-mongering kind of, I'm Mr. Optimistic here, but, but I think this is a real challenge. I think we, as I alluded to earlier, the future of work effectively, you know, what, what the future of work, in, in inverted commas, um, has accelerated beyond belief in this last three months. We have taken up universally digital services, different methodologies of working, video, um, cloud technology, etc. The take up of all of this has been enhanced so much in the last three months, way ahead of schedule. The reality is not at the pace in which the infrastructure of business has been, was preparing for. And what that means is if we move too fast, we leave people behind. So if we move into a digital environment too fast, we risk leaving people who may become surplus to this because of the changes in the way of working, because of the ways in which we're finding new efficiencies now that we 
compared to before. We're learning that actually we can be really efficient at home and actually that maybe we don't need to get on aeroplanes quite so much anymore and we don't need to do all these things. We don't need to get on the train. This is going to leave portions of industry behind before we prepared to reskill them before because when we talk about the future of work a lot we don't say oh ai will kill work we say ia will develop the workforce it will mean that will a new tranche of people will come through and support an ai industry for example or if we move too fast towards these new technologies before the employment skill capability is caught up with it and then that will enhance that skill gap that will cause a real real problem so i think employers have got a bit of responsibility here to consider when they make changes like this how do they look after the people who may get the brunt of this how will we support people through this change or are we just going to drop them how does this work and i think one of the one or two of the examples we've seen already that that the pandemic has delivered is how some organizations have demonstrated that they've been very agile about this when their requirement has dropped and therefore their people are all of a sudden not being deployed um the they are they are finding ways of reskilling them they're finding ways of you know we've heard about easyjet turning help putting some of their people on um, nursing courses and teaching courses, for example, but about McDonald's in Germany redeploying their staff and sending them to, to Aldi. And they did an agreement with Aldi because um, Aldi needed people, McDonald's didn't. They? So there's lots of agile thinking there, which suggests those organizations are thinking about how they redeploy people. But um, I'm not sure that's going to happen across the board. And I think that's something that we need to be very, very conscious of. Um, um, through this little period. I, I, I think that's a worry that sits in the back of my mind with all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's all just the unknown as well, isn't it? And that's where everyone's at across, um, across, across the world, really, with every um, organisation and, and in every industry, which is, um, which is a tricky one for, for people yeah. to understand. So um, something that we haven't touched on um, a huge amount, but it's something that always comes up and, um, and it is a, a huge part across any industry, um, is diversity within tech talent as well. And, and traditionally, I mean, the tech um, industry has always been very sort of white male focused, um, very sort of male focused. Do you think that having technology at the forefront of everyone's mind at the moment, and especially for kids that are at school, they're homeschooling, they've got their laptops, iPads, um, everything else as well, do you think that technology will now be at the forefront? of um, that future talent and could perhaps be a, a paved way um, into attracting more females into those sort of tech and, and IT roles. And, and Don, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you guys partner with, um, is it the Tech Talent Charter who do quite a lot of women in tech work yeah. and, and other bits and pieces as well? Yeah, um, I mean at CW Jobs, in our parent company Total Jobs, we, we created our own women in tech network mm. uh, to try and improve that gender balance which involves mentorship schemes, um, so it can be coached by senior female co-workers. You can't be what you can't see being the, the kind of concept about that. And if they can see successful uh, female uh, role models within, within tech, they can aspire to be that. Um, but there's also focus groups to better understand how we can support uh, women in the company as well. So that's just in our company. But that, that, that's within being a partner of the organisation called Tech Talent Charter. Um, and they, they're not just looking at on, on the female side, um, but it's all forms of diversity. But if you, the interesting thing is if you look at their, um, their signatories, women hold 24% of technical roles in 
and that's still very low. If you look at the UK average, that's 16%. So hopefully they're either following advice or presenting advice, which is increasing that, that level, that ratio. Um, and they're doing stuff like retraining returners, um, having returners programs or retraining people that are coming back in, maybe after maternity or, or things like that. Um, but the thing is to really try and invite the, the applications from diverse candidates. Um, and it's using as many options as possible to, to try and bring in those di diverse candidates. One thing that the working from home piece I think has shown is that shared responsibility in uh, bringing up children is maybe re potentially releasing more, f more females to apply for these roles, maybe to come back in, maybe not be scared to, to get retrained uh, or go on a returners program. Because if the norm is going to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more caring, as, as Stephen uh, was talking about earlier, um, then I think that unleashes potentially a, a lot of um, the skills that previous workers in IT that were female, uh, that, that maybe gave it up for maternity reasons or something, can come back to it. But I thought, also think there's a, there's a regulatory issue with regards to um, parental leave as well that, that will improve factors there. But certainly showing a potential candidate that you are a member of these kind of charters, Tech Talent Charter or Tech you Can, hashtag Tech you Can is another one. Um, showing that you are interested, this matters to you, really appeals to that Generation Z um, that want to work for a company they're proud of, not necessarily just a company that's paying them the right amount of money. And, and these are all things that employers can just sign up to and then they get the help and advice to be able to um, sort of guide them through that. Is, is that how it works? Absolutely. I mean, Tech Talent Charter is um, all they ask for is a anonymous survey to be to be filled in. So you, they can look at the data on that and compare maybe geographically, maybe by industry sector, what areas are behind the pace, what areas are ahead of the pace, what areas are leading the pace uh, with regards to diversity and inclusion. Um, and when it's for free and gives you such a fund of information, I think it's, it's madness not to be part of it because there's no, there's no um, membership fee. Um, all they want is, is the data to contrast and compare and actually then educate its, its members. So that, for starters, is, is a very valuable charter that we're part of. Yeah, no, and it's, it's brilliant. I've come across them before and they, they do some, some great work as well. So yeah. um, as an employer, if you're not part of it, I would um, highly recommend um, being so um, on that one. And um, Steve, from your side, um, in, in terms of the sort of diversity and future talent perspective, um, do, do you think the current situation is, is helping, um, helping with that or perhaps not? Or what's your thoughts? No, it, I think it's definitely appearing that it, it will help. I think, again, going back to the, the elements about the fact that we are adopting more technology and we are adopting different methods of the ways of hiring, right, because we, we're not sat in the office, that will, can only help. Most current technologies that have been built in these last sort of four or five years that are assisting recruitment are built with DNI filters, if you like, things that allow us to be less biased and less... Um, uh, undiverse in our approach and less inclusive in our approach so that can only help the technology is enabling us to be better that way we've also experienced uh, an interesting uh, journey of these last two or three months where we've been we've been helping uh, large organizations do virtual careers events effectively virtual careers um, videos because they can't go to campus for universities for example um, 
so we send what we do through our marketing and data um, we then um, we bring an audience to them and they um, an audience collectively watches a video and allow and with a media apply process and everything else and what that does is it allows a wider audience into the funnel there isn't a, you're only allowed to be from this university and you're only allowed to be from this kind of category or etc etc it's an you know digital engagement is an open book um, based on some simple criteria in the marketing process to make sure they fit the right field of study or whatever and that and that immediately has led to a very much more broader more acceptance more welcoming um, and barrierless entry to to being considered and be able to walk through their doors so all of these things will help all of these things will not just from a gender balance thing that we've alluded to a little bit already but also from the way in which people can engage with the company it's easier to engage with the company digitally it's more comfortable for people to to engage with the company digitally sometimes so yeah all of these things can only have a positive impact on on um, diversity inclusion yeah absolutely just more accessible isn't it just being able to yeah. communicate quite quickly um as well so um so talking about sort of skill sets perhaps um of, of um tech candidates and and the skills um for the tech world are so changeable and and regularly they're changing so to actually stay up to speed can be can be quite tricky so where have the skills been needed thus far sort of up to COVID-19 um, and, and what sort of skill set do you think will be necessary in the future for candidates to be able to succeed within that tech market? Um, Don, I think you had a few sort of questions on that in your survey which might be good to sort of see yeah. what the results were. It, once you consider the, the current environment it comes as no surprise really the top three are IT support skills, cybersecurity, and network infra infrastructure. Um, no, you know, it comes as no surprise that IT support skills, seeing as I'm on my third laptop of this period in, in the last 10 years, um, you know, support's been vital to just being able to do your job um, as opposed to my laptop's down for an hour and I'll go and have some meetings with, with some, some other departments. It's absolutely imperative that you have your kit up and running. Um, cybersecurity, similarly, um, I, I think it's fair to say that home-based uh, networks are probably a little bit more less less secure than um, the fortress that is most offices these days and the network infrastructure how to access that data maybe in in um, the, the centralized centralized office arena um, so in addition to that we've also seen a number of applications for specific sub disciplines like software development nearly double in the last few months um, software developers network engineers, infrastructure engineers, um, they've been increasing week on week. So I think that there was that initial pause of, my goodness, what is happening in the market? And then really um, the, the, the businesses have, have been very quickly highlighting areas that they need to really gem up on, improve and throw money at. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, still, um, they're still strong. It has switched towards more the, the support, cybersecurity, and infrastructure side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about in the future? Are there any specific um, sort of tech skills that are, are looking to be um, sort of more and more necessary, um, perhaps for, for candidates or, or youngsters that are coming up sort of through the ranks and perhaps studying at the moment? Are there any specific skills or specialities that, that are looking? Um, well, I, th I think artificial intelligence. 
is is still going to be massive. It's it's one of those um, buzzwords that simply isn't going away um, because it's going to uh, it's going to improve things to to such an extent, and and it's still evolving at a, a, a staggering speed. Um, but again, cybersecurity I think is is going to become uh, hugely important purely because one wrong move can bring an entire company down, dare I say, country, potentially. Um, the cloud, not necessarily having to have a direct link with your business. Um, I mean, again, speaking from personal experience, the VPN went down, I couldn't access um, specific documents, whereas if they were on the cloud, um, they, would, they would be easier to get hold of. There's also the Internet of Things, um, the big data evolution from that Internet of Things and everything being measured. Um, I think there's a shift uh, to those types of skills needed um, for now and, and in, in the future. But I, as Steve said earlier, this crisis has, in most areas, only accelerated what was happening in the background anyway. Yeah, so it hasn't really put a pause on anything, has it? It's, it's just sort of magnified it and just um, making us run um, that little bit quicker to chase and, and uh, get up to speed again. Yeah, I think in, in other industry sectors, maybe it has put a pause sometimes, maybe permanently in some in industry sectors. Uh, but for tech, it's just you know, tech is almost the, the salvation um, out of this in, in some areas. Uh, if you look at how South Korea's dealt with the, the, the testing and test and trace, um, tech is the salvation and people are, are going to be throwing money at, at it um, in, in a big way uh, in, the, in the coming months, I think. Um, so, on a, <laughs> I was going to say on a more positive note, which I think it will be a more positive note, considering the, the situation that we've been in. Um, so, looking ahead to the future, we've uh, talked a little, I think the very first line that you said, Don, was um, around Brexit. But um, looking ahead to the future, after we get through COVID-19, uh, we've then got Brexit and IR35 to, to combat. What overall impact and effect are these going to have on the UK tech market? Because they're big ones, um, but COVID-19 has kind of, sort of squashed them a little bit and made them look a little bit insignificant, but they, they are big ones that could have quite a serious impact. Yeah, the, the, the Brexit side is almost, uh, feels as though it's kind of slumbering in the corner now, doesn't it? Um, exactly. <laughs> fascinating to see if there's a newfound respect for... Um, the, the skills that the immigrant workforce bring in, um, as there has been in the, in the care community, how long that lasts. 71% um, of, of our respondents said that tech has significantly helped support the UK economy. And 72% agreed that it's shone a, a massive spotlight on, on the tech departments of, of the daily running, of businesses and their daily running. Um, so that'd be interesting to see if to feed those those skills that there is a, a looseness on how we treat tech expertise coming from abroad um, and it's given a priority um, so some recruitment drives have been put on hold um, but now's the time I think for employees to rethink how they're targeting those talent pools and how they're looking outside of the UK because certainly there's there's not going to be enough in the UK you're going to have to have internal um, upskilling programs but you're also going to potentially have to look outside of that into, into Europe and all of the uncertainties that that's going to bring. I think one of the glimmers of hope uh, was the, the withdrawing of IR35 
only days before its inception at the beginning of April, which came as a shock to, I think, everybody. But the, the real overriding question to me was, well, if it's good enough when the business, sorry, the country is in crisis, why is it not good enough to, uh, to shelve permanently? Yeah. And if you look at the House of Lords report on it, it was absolutely excoriating on how it had been, uh, how it had been brought forward um, for, the, for the private sector. So it'd be fascinating to see what the government does with that when the COVID crisis subsides. Do they bring it back with all of the, um, all of the anger that that's brought the, the contract community? Or do they actually rethink it, re-examine it and come up with a new idea, which, as we know, will take years and years, but actually give great flexibility to companies to bring in a very, very talented workforce and maybe six months, 12 months later, release them back into the market so other companies can take advantage of those skills. What's your gut saying? Do you think that they will um, sort of take another look at it or do you think they're just going to sort of bring it back in? Um, I, th- I think they will take another look at it. Maybe not in the in the public sector but i understand that and maybe the public sector needs to have more of a defined pathway on their expenditure but in the for the private sector i think you've got to accept that they are going to need some real expertise but that expertise they are not going to need for the lifetime of their business they're going to need it maybe for 6 12 18 months but then they can actually pass that expertise out into the into the market rather than having people that are very very skilled maybe on um, you know, babysitting projects or systems that could be out there helping other companies. Uh, so I've got some high hopes that in one, in a different form maybe, we will see contracting continuing. Although I, I think that I feel very uh, disappointed for the contractors that then went into short-term um, temporary contracts to stay with the company, were then told that, that they that they weren't required anymore because they, they were going to get other contractors coming. So it's been, it's been a, a real mess. It's been a real mess. Yeah. Well, hope, hopefully it does get, um, does get sorted. And I, I suppose it, it, I mean, the, the state of the economy and, and the market, once we come out of COVID-19, it's probably going to have a huge impact on, on what decisions get made as well for, for that yeah. industry. So, um, I mean, Steve, do you have any thoughts about um, Brexit and IR35? Um, well, less about IR35. <laughs> less about IR35 um, but I think one of the things that we've noticed and, and it's a slightly different um, angle to what Don was talking about there but the one of the things we've noticed in our so we every year we do the world's uh, most most attractive employers and we do the, the each country's most attractive employers and we just uh, we just announced our UK's most attractive employers this last week or so in fact, we did the awards thing yesterday and 40 and a half thousand employees and where there's a shift, this really compared to previous years, all the things that happened over the last 12 months, 18 months, et cetera, which not just have a political and, and, and effect, but also therefore subsequently have a social effect. And we've noticed a massive shift. It's a really big shift towards public sector organizations, towards um, more wanted to work for organizations that give them some sort of security and benefits and respect and all this kind of stuff. Great. I mean, the NHS, before even COVID happened, the NHS jumped phenomenally in all the categories of study, fields of study for students as a preferred employer, knocking over the likes of, you know, some of the banks and some of the financial institutions and pharma companies. Mm. They, they were the big rockets in this last kind of uh, year or 
and it wasn't just the NHS. It was things like the HMRC. It was like it was it was other public sector organisations and some some of the media organisations around it. Fascinating shift, and the banking, finance, pharma, and big tech took a bit of a hit. Um, so it, I think that from a branding perspective, big corporate may have had a little bit of a of a hit this last year, eighteen months or so. You know, socially, people try and rise up against institutionalized element of, of, of work and maybe fight again. I want to work for something I believe in. I want to work for something where I'm supporting the good. And that for, therefore, that's something we need to think about as organizations across the board to think about what are students looking for now? What is the next workforce looking for? Because if we miss a trick in the next year or two with this, we fall behind the curve again. So a, that's been the fascinating shift. It's more the social effect on some of those factors and what that's now meaning to people's preferences in who they want to work for be interesting to see where that continues but with something like the nhs you can often you can imagine the attractiveness of something like the nhs and healthcare companies generally only improving in this next year or so and that will take talent from the corporate sector and we yeah. need to be careful of that um for sure no, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So, um, okay, well, I think, guys, that is actually all we have time for, unfortunately, today. Um, Dom or Steve, was there anything else that you particularly wanted to highlight, or did you have any closing thoughts um, at all? I think Steve, Steve, Steve's um, findings and, and the survey's findings, university's findings and, and the, the survey's findings are really pointing to a pivotal time in in the society of the nature of work, what we expect from work, what we expect from our employer, what kind of employers do we want to work for? And it's actually, to finish on a, a positive, I suppose, it's, it's going to be quite a fascinating time to see us come out of this. And, you know, fingers crossed, we are going to come out of this uh, in a real resurgence of positivity and confidence. Um, and it will be a very different May in 2021, I think, than, than hopefully it's been this year. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be so interesting to see the results next year and just see where yeah. we're at. Having a little magic ball would be lovely right now, wouldn't it? <laughs> just to see where we all end up. But no, it's, um, it's very true, Don, very true. Um, Steve, did you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess one final thought is, particularly in relation to tech talent, um, it's probably a demographic that, uh, well, I think a number of demographics do, the, the perception of brands moves fast. Um, the needs of a talent audience move fast. Um, we can't build our talent attraction strategies off things that were said two, three years ago anymore. We have to stay current with what people are needing, what they're looking for, and what the demands are, and what they perceive to be an attractive employer. I think if we don't, if we shout but forget to listen, then um, then we miss the trick very, very quickly. So so I would say take. Um, Think about what, what the movements are, listen to the trends and understand um, um, how, how the IT tech talent uh, are thinking right now. What do they need right now? Be their assurance. Guys, thank you very much for, for joining me today. It was great to um, see the results and, and the findings from the survey. Um, I think they're being released week in the 22nd of June. So um, look forward to, to getting those, um, all, all the full insights um, on that one as well.
Thanks for listening, everyone. For more insights around in-house recruitment, talent acquisition, or even HR, do head over to our inhouserecruitment.co.uk website where we have a whole host of other resources and events for you to get stuck into.